Hey, brothers and sisters, childrens of all ages, childrens of all ages, Jesus. I am back. I am here. John is here. We are virtually here. here. We are so happy to uh, be back in your earballs for a 201st episode of My Thai Happy Hour, the ultimate podcast for pop culture weirdos. And uh, we got a fun store, show in store for you. I feel like we're going to be a little negative today, only because uh, some of the stuff we watched was the drizzle shits. But I saw some good stuff, too, so I think it'll balance out a little bit. But, John, what's in, what do we have in store for everybody tonight? So tonight we got a, you know, it's a good one because we're doing a show. The subject matter for most of tonight isn't that great. However, we are going to talk about the brand new Young Rock TV series, which, as you know, features... Dwayne The Rock Johnson, which is going to be spectacular. Uh, we have a first look as well at the new Clarice, the Silence of the Lamps spinoffs on CBS All Access. I watched, as well as George, Monster Hunter this weekend, and we've definitely got some thoughts. And George got a look at I Care A Lot, the new Peter Dinklage movie on Netflix. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be an excellent episode. I'm, I'm very excited. I mean, we have thoughts. I, I have started watching shows on Netflix to pass the time during lunch. And I've realized that Netflix has a lot of garbage and has a lot of weird stuff, too. So, you know, I'm excited. I think uh, we need to talk very quickly before you get to your cocktail about uh, our favorite, favorite tiki bar. Uh, Lenoir looks like it (sighs) might actually be going out of business. I hope that's not the case, but, you know, there was some very uh, terse words from Chris, the owner, about obviously the unfortunate situation, you know. He's tried as hard as he can to be safe and and do the right thing and, you know, you abide by the rules, even though if you, you know, I look, I was going up Bloomfield Ave the other day and every, every restaurant was packed, but, you know, things happen. He does, you know, I, I'm hoping this is still temporary, but it looks like uh, Lenoir might not be coming back too. So that's Kowloon, that, that's the Mai Kai, that is the Tiki Cat, that is Lenoir, we are... You know, just you know, the days of Mike. You know, I just, I just feel terrible. I mean, you know, yeah, you know, we talked about a while back about a lot of people were very upset about the Asbury Lanes because he kind of lost their their clubhouse. And we just lost our clubhouse, which really sucks. I mean, I think I don't think there's been a place I like that much since like Connections. Yeah, I mean, these places are special. They're not just like you go down the highway and there is a chain restaurant every you know quarter mile. Like these are unique dining experiences with like a flavor and a flair that you're not going to get from other places. Also very familial, um, run by families, run by people who like, this is everything that they put all of their energy into. And it's a shame to see any business getting taken out like this. And it's an special shame for Lanois because Lanois is spectacular. Yeah. And that's Lanois in Roselle, New Jersey. If you've ever been there, that was a place that's been around forever and uh, about 10 years or so ago, maybe less, uh, this guy Chris bought it, and, and it was long in the tooth. I'd gone many moons back, and it was not a very fun tiki place, but it was it was one of those like hidden treasures. It had a nice coat of dust on it, and he did a great job listening to the tiki community. He wasn't a tiki guy himself, but he had, a, I guess there was a connection to the restaurant. I think he was a place he used to go with his wife or something that meant a lot to him. So he bought the place when it went on the market, and then he just... He just learned everything he could about tiki culture and and made the place a wonderful place. Like cleaned it up, dusted, put in a new drop ceiling, just made it a really, really nice dual room, great bar, fixed up the menu, and he treated us like kings anytime we went there. So it really, really sucks. I hope, I hope, I mean, look, if the if they can't fill the place because, you know, it serves a purpose, maybe it'll still be there when he can come back. We'll see. Again, um, you know, our thoughts go out to uh, Chris and Lenoir and, and, you know, hopefully hopefully it comes back. But on a brighter note, John, what cocktail do you have for us this week? You know, I have been consistently trying to find a way to tie in the cocktails. You try hard. You do a good job, too. And, and this one I feel like is really over the plate, but I would be remiss if I did not make this the cocktail of the night. When we're talking about Young Rock later in the episode, you know, we're talking about Dwayne The Rock Johnson, the people's champion, who has recently blessed the world with his own brand of tequila, Terramana tequila. And there is an actual people's margarita on Terramana.com, which is The Rock's specific margarita recipe. So you're going to take two ounces of Terramana Blanco. You're going to take 
three quarters of an ounce of freshly squeezed lime juice. And you know how important it is to get that fresh squeezed lime juice in there. Half an ounce of agave nectar and one ounce of pineapple juice, which is merely to taste. So this is not going to be a heavy pineapple juice cocktail, just enough in there to add a little flavor. You are going to shake with ice in a cocktail shaker, strain into a rocks glass over fresh ice, garnish with a lime wheel, a pineapple leaf, and sea salt around the rim. If that's what you're into, the people's margarita. It will probably be the best margarita you'll ever put past your lips. I will. I think it's fair to note that uh, Monday was National Margarita Day, so very timely, very good uh, suggestion. And I, I like a good margarita. I'm, I'm more into the frozen ice type, though, because, you know, it's how I roll, and it's the best way for me to get the tequila into me. And then yes. El Greco comes out, which we know is a problem, so we don't do that too often for the safety of everybody around me. I've been there, man. I've seen it. <laughs> uh, look, let's. We got to talk about. We got to talk about Clarice. So Clarice is a uh, you know new show based off of the uh, legendary story Silence of the Lambs and the and the and the legacy around it, uh, starring Clarice, who was originally played by Jodie Foster in the original Silence of the Lambs, and that's about. Where the story ends. <laughs> well, let me, let me let me tag in real quick with the IMDb description here because it's it is very telling by this description. A look at the untold personal story of FBI agent Clarice Starling as she returns to the field about a year after the events of the Silence of the Lambs, nineteen ninety one in parentheses specifically. Yeah. So very quickly, I realized that this show actually takes place in like 1993. It takes place like a year after Sansa Lambs, which I think is just a bad move to begin with. I think they should have done what Hannibal did and just the nondescript timeline. It doesn't need to be 1993 because right off the bat, they have to go with 1993 tropes. So every FBI agent that's not Clarice is a like bro dude, douchebag, male toxic piece of shit and i'm like do we really need to go here like does that really is that what we need in 2021 the answer is no uh but that's not even why this is so broken i'm gonna rant for a little bit but like i am a huge fan of hannibal we recently on this show did a uh you know a throwback episode to hannibal on why you should watch you know a retrospective on why hannibal is one of the best shows on television on network television which was insane uh, when it came out, when it was on like three or four years ago, because uh, NBC, I was like shocked of the amount of gore and blood and just visceral, I mean, it was serial killer shit. And it was great because it told the mythology of Hannibal and it told the story of the Red Dragon and it it just had such great act. I mean, everybody in that was like some of the best actors going were in that show. And to follow it up, and I'd read the stuff where they're like, well, they can't follow into Silence of the Lambs because of a legal battle that went on back in the day. Manhunter was the original version of Red Dragon. It was released by MGM and it was, uh, I believe it was done uh, by Dino Laurinaitis. Great Dan Greek name. Great, great Greek name, by the way. Uh, and and it did shit. It like bombed. So he like sold the rights. I guess he had the rights to the book. Uh, it sold it to whoever. Uh, I don't think he sold it to CBS, but whoever was running, whoever owned it, whoever wanted to make another thing, and they made Silence of the Lambs, which I'm sure he then was regretting because it did very well. But he still held the rights to the original book. And he didn't give that back up. So he held the rights to Hannibal for some reason. And this other company who had Silence of the Lambs held the right to like Clarice and that story, but not Hannibal. Very weird. Almost like how those, you know, Spider-Man North, you know, Quicksilver, Wanda type thing between Fox, Sony, Marvel has been the last few years. Feels like what's going on here. And that aside, what that means for you is that Clarice can't have Hannibal Lecter in it. And I was not expecting that, John. I was expecting them not to have, like, to just recast Hannibal. Like, it's just just like uh, Quicksilver in uh, in in WandaVision and in, in, in X Men. I was expecting there to be two Hannibals. Nope, they can't even say his name, which screws the pooch from the beginning and makes this a fucking straight up FBI procedural in 1993, which is the opposite of anything I'm looking for right now. Rant over, tag you in. And here comes my rant. Okay, so 
The funny thing about CBS as a network is CBS, and I think this is to their credit and also their detriment at the same time, you will always know you're watching a CBS program because it all has the same eye. It all has the same kind of synergy, whether it's the advertising artwork or whether it is, you know, the person like kind of running the camera behind the camera. You know, it all looks like a CBS made TV series now, and I'm talking back in the day, even from the days of like Magnum and Murder, she wrote Simon and Simon, you know, every one of those series, if one of the characters from one walked onto the set of the other and appeared on that show, you would not blink because you just um, automatically imagine it all takes place in the same universe. So when you get to something like a criminal minds and Clarice or any version of the CSI, if any of these characters walked across set, and suddenly they're on another show, you're not even blinking. And so the minute that I saw the first shot of this show, I'm like, it's a CBS show. It is a CBS. If, if I had not known, you know, Pepsi Challenge Blind Tate Test walked into a room, they put a screen in front of me, and they put a shot from this show, I would say, oh, this is going to be on CBS TV. So to their credit, you always know a certain level of quality will come out of CBS. And you know it, whether it's a comedy, whether it is a police procedural, they all kind of look the same. Now, with this, there's a lot of expectation built into a show like this because you are coming, you know, Hannibal went off the air, I think, three or four years ago, and their fan base is still clamoring for more. People genuinely loved the movie The Silence of the Lambs, and I would argue that it absolutely, if not reinvented, it redefined the serial killer genre when it comes to cinema and television. In fact, you know, CBS as a network, when it thinks of all the money that they made off of the various different CSI series, they could all start lining up to kiss that Anthony Perkins ass um, for being Hannibal Lecter and for, cre- you know, for, for making this world. Um, and when you get to this part, where it's like Clarice. So they're spinning it off of the Silence of the Lambs. You can't say Hannibal Lecter, so you're going to lean a little more towards Buffalo Bill. Which no, which was just the gimmick to get you from point A to point B in Silence of the Lambs. Which is a problem because, can I spoil it? Like, he's dead, Buffalo Bill. Like, no, it's not spoiling Silence of the Lambs. I mean, why would, you, why would you want to watch this if you haven't watched Silence of the Lambs? Well, I think you would enjoy it more if you didn't watch Silence of the Lambs, because it is a right over the plate police procedural on CBS TV. Now, the real problem with it is there's no serial killers in the serial killer show. Like <laughs> the first episode, they thought it was a serial killer, but it wasn't a serial killer. The second episode is like a Waco episode. And I'm sitting here going, OK, so. You know, you are trying to you're launching this show. You're trying to get people involved, get people psyched about it. And it's a show spinning off of arguably the greatest serial killer movie ever made. Silence of the Lambs. But you don't give up a serial killer at all. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, George is talking about, you know, 93 to cast all these dudes in like these roles. Like you have Michael Cudlitz, who was Abraham on The Walking Dead fan favorite. Um playing against the type he played as Abraham. Like there's, there's no warmth to him. He's very stiff playing off of uh, Rebecca breeds who I actually think is a good choice for Clarice. Agreed. Uh, it's too, it's too bad that they dropped her behind enemy lines in a series where there is no serial killer. And it's a show about fucking serial killers. I, I'm just so bothered by this. I mean, look, I, I read the reviews and the fan reviews were very much much angry Hannibal fans. And I'm like, well, I'm going to try to be a non, you know, just try to be bipartisan, I guess. I was going to watch this and I'm going to see if I, I can watch this even though I loved Hannibal. And I'm just like, this is just bad. I guess the, the lady that he cast as Clarice did a very good job. Uh, it's just everything else is just, it doesn't work in that universe. She's literally, they could have made her any name. It's unless something happens later on, there is nothing to tie back in. And it's just boring. I mean, the fact is Silence of the Lambs ended with Hannibal escaping and it kind of being her fault. He got away. I mean, calls yeah. are at the very end and did not continue that story. It just doesn't work. Uh, the one good thing that I'll say for Hannibal fans, Netflix has done gangbusters since it ended up on there a couple months back. 
Hannibal has just uh, gained a whole new audience, kind of like Cobra Kai did after they moved it over there. And the entire cast has publicly stated that if they get the call, they will all reunite to do Hannibal season four. So I think, I think that's money on the table. I think they could do a lot with Netflix. I think Netflix, I think it's a low risk, obviously, you know, taping right now is a little challenging, but I would not be sure. I think there's a good 70% chance of Hannibal coming back again. They can't do the silence of the lambs for, for the reasons we talked about earlier, but you know, they could probably do get pretty close with a different guy other than Buffalo bill and a person not named Clarice. I, I just saying, cause you know, uh, Mickle, uh, what's his name? Mickelson. Mads Mickelson. Mads Mickelson is like, that is my Hannibal Lecter now. Like I love, I love the original Hannibal Lecter. Uh, however, I feel like like Mickelson does it like more serious. Like I think it's more believable, especially as a doctor. It's so good. I, I still highly recommend Hannibal. I do not recommend Clarice. And yeah. it's sad because I, I you know I, I didn't know about I knew about the show. I didn't know it was dropping. And then um it was on and I read the reviews. I'm like, well, we kind of have to do this show, especially since we've done Hannibal like twice. So let let's do it. And I it was tough. It was, it was a slog getting those through those two episodes. And I also recently saw the Waco TV show, which was excellent. And I highly recommended it and, you know, really opened my eyes to how big of a shit show Waco was. And this doesn't even like, yeah, we said they do Waco, but they don't do Waco. It's like some bullshit thing that doesn't even like, it, it's just not good. It's not good. This whole show is not good. I do not recommend it. And it is coming from someone who loves feel bad television. Yeah, and you know, listen. Obviously, these coming out of the sounds of the land, the situation, the, a person. How could they not have a ton of PTSD? Yet they don't do much to take you out of. Yes, it's another typical procedural with the person who has PTSD. Like these shows are a dime a dozen these days. You know, not having any kind of real serial killer aspect of it, or even like the specter of Hannibal Lecter floating in the background really does um, take it out of the knees. Yeah, no, it, it, it is what it is. I, I, I pa- hard pass from me, hard pass it sounds like from you, but on a positive note, feel good television. I am not a feel good television person. I mean, you since, are definitely not, you know, I, I watched Shit's Creek. I enjoyed that, but even that was about like a redemption story for pretty miserable people. Uh, but I'm watching young rock, the young rock dropped. I did not even know this was a thing until like the super bowl. I didn't even know that they were working on a uh, show about the life of rock and it has dropped and I'll let you do the, uh, the introduction to this one. I mean, according to IMDb, which I, I feel is there much? I think time. I don't think you need to do IMDb for this one. I'm going to do it because I've already said it. I'm going to do it. Uh, a look at the formative years of superstar Dwayne the Rock Johnson as he grows up through life completely undersells the show. No. This is the story of the Rock through the years. It's the year 2032. He is running for president and decides to get real with uh, a network. TV uh, interviewer to tell the story of The Rock's life. And like this is Randall Park, who everyone has fallen in love with all over again as uh, Jimmy Woo over on WandaVision as the interviewer sitting down with Dwayne The Rock Johnson in real time talking about The Rock's life when The Rock was a little kid and also when The Rock was a young teen and when The Rock was playing football and then eventually when The Rock goes to the WWE. Um, it is straight up an NBC comedy, but like every kind of fault you're going to find with it, you are going to find a way to get past because it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It's a half hour cute show. There is nothing deep about it. Uh, the acting is look, I think the, it's less about the acting and more about who they chose to play different people and wrestlers. I think the casting is incredible on this, especially his mother who looks just like her. Uh, yeah. great casting, fun show. It's funny. I mean, you can see Andre the Giant. No one can ever look like Andre the Giant, but this guy tries hard. Uh, you know, your favorite wrestlers are in there from you when you were a kid from the ice cream bars and it's fun. It's a fun, cute show. Uh, I think it's better than the sitcom with the, with the big show. I remember you reviewed that a couple of months back. Yeah. I mean, that was so, so this is the difference. That was more of an ABC like 
try to, trying to be TJF style comedy. Whereas this is like straight up, like this is the network that brought you the office kind of TV show, but much, much lighter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, look, if you want something fun, if you're a fan of the rock, you're going to love this. If you want to, if you're a fan of wrestling, I think it helps. Uh, I don't think you need to be a fan of wrestling to watch this, but you know, if you, you know, to see macho man, Randy Savage and the junkyard dog, like you're going to be happy. Uh, there's no way around it. Uh, so I recommend it. There were only one episode in, so we're not doing a full review, but it's a fun thing. I, this is more of a reminder to let you know that it exists because I think people yeah. forget. Uh, this is one of those shows that I just I didn't even know was it was not on my radar at all. Uh, Allison actually talked me about it. I'm like, this is really happening. It's really happening. Kind of like I didn't realize Chris Hemsworth is gonna be Hulk Hogan in a in a biopic or something. That is very strange to me. Yeah, I thought that was a rib when I heard that a long time ago, but then suddenly apparently he's getting jacked. And I'm like, wow, he's going to be Hogan. Super jacked, super jacked. Uh, and the funny thing is, like, no actor today can get as big as the, the the amount, the quantity and length of time that you need to do steroids to look like what these wrestlers looked like back then. Uh, you know, it's just like the guy after Macho Man could you could never actually look like the Macho Man because the Macho Man just like was you could pop his muscles and they would like you'd probably get a contact buzz. But uh, I was thinking about it. Like, what wrestler do you think, what other wrestler do you think they could do a show of, like a sitcom? You know, I've, I've been I've been racking my brain about that, thinking about that. And it's kind of hard because, you know, you do have the very different kind of life between what the gimmick is and what the reality is. And for those listening who might not get the term gimmick, you will after watching the Rocks TV show. The gimmick is the persona that is, you know, you dialed up to 11 or – you just playing another character altogether. So like, you know, I'd imagine a Roddy Piper show would probably be pretty neat. You know, if he was kind of in a, a good headspace at the time, like him just like shooting the breeze and like putting holds on his kids and like, you know, just talking shit constantly. But, um, you know, other than that, like I would love for them to like follow Anybody around who had like an animal in the WWE, like, <laughs> like, like the, the British, British bulldog? bulldog. Oh yeah, yeah. exactly. Matilda, yeah. Matilda. Yeah. Uh, I I think John Cena could make a good <gasps> sitcom. Oh, John Cena, yeah. I mean, John Cena was made for to be a sitcom, like inherited children as a dad, like not like they're his children. He would definitely be like an inherited children situation. But I think he would totally like bring it on that. Could you see the Fiend taking the Funhouse outside of the realm of WWE? I think that would be the the more fun and imaginative show where it's just like, you know, it's your wacky neighbor. And then at night you're like, but he might be a serial killer. I think that would work on like Adult Swim. Oh, yeah. Totally work on Adult Swim. Like short, short, like, you know, like say 12 minute episodes. I think The Fiend could work. Uh, but I don't know. It's, look, Young Rock, I give it I give it a big thumbs up. I think, uh, you know, is it safe to assume you also give it a thumbs up? I give it a huge thumbs up and I'm going to walk something back real quick. I think the ideal show would be John Cena as like the <laughs> wacky, like inherited children, dad in that situation, like single guy and his neighbor would be the undertaker. So like, you know, they'd be doing something and then you would just hear like the gong and then like out of the kitchen, like here comes taker, like goes and cracks a beer, sits on the couch and it's like, when's dinner? Like that would be awesome. I would pay to watch a reality show about the undertaker being a dad. <laughs> Like I would, I think it'd be hilarious, especially since he's like, you know, mid fifties, you know, replaced his hips, replaced his knees. And he's got like little girls, I believe. I think that would make some hilarious television. You know, like even, even after everything, I think if I was like a young teenage boy and I roll up to a girl's house and the girl's father answers the door and it is like 60 something year old undertaker, I would still shit my pants. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think no one, no one would mock me for that because, like, they would too. Like, you know, you. I bet when you open the door, you hear the gong, and it's just purple <laughs> lights and smoke. When you ring the doorbell, she's like, "Did, did you come here to pick up Sarah?" And you're just like, "Uh, I picked a bad day to wear khakis, dog. Sorry." Oh, that's too funny. I, right, you, you get that. You get that. That, that, that is the, uh, that's the sitcom we want to see. Is the Undertaker uh, retired and uh, you know taking care of his uh, daughter's suitors? Um, we saw, I don't know if you saw it. You, you might've thought it was amazing. I, I, you threw monster hunter out at me. Oh, I watched it. Uh, monster hunter 
uh, is a, I, I don't know much about it. So I didn't know, I went into Monster Hunter Cold. I believe in that, you know, I try to watch as many shows as I can that you're watching. So I feel it makes for the better, the better, you know, the better episode of my Thai happy hour. So I was like, I'll give this a chance because it's also a good show I can watch while I'm making dinner and while, uh, at lunch, you know, on lunch at, you know, while I'm working because I work from home and like I have monitors everywhere now. So I just watch shit in the background. And, uh, this was, um, I have thoughts. So I'll let you do the introduction since you know more about the mythology of monster hunter. So according to IMDb, when Lieutenant Artemis, her loyal soldiers are transported to a new world, they engage in a desperate battle for survival against enormous enemies with incredible powers feature film based on the video game by Capcom. So right there, you know, it's a sign of quality. I was excited about this movie because I love the Resident Evil movies. Like, I love the Resident Evil movies. I love them all. Some better than others, but I do love that series of movies. Uh, Paul W.S. Anderson is the person behind all those movies, the star of all those movies, Mila Jovovich. Like, they have run out of road with the Resident Evil franchise, as was. They're rebooting it now without them. Uh, However, like... This is their first foray back into it without Resident Evil. But, uh, you know, the pivot being that it's still a video game movie. But nonetheless, there are giant monsters. Mila Jovovich is in charge of killing them. I am sold American. I'm ready to watch this movie. Ron Perlman is also in it. I love Ron Perlman as well. And it starts off, you know, pretty innocuously. In the desert, there is a squad of army rangers uh, on a mission they get pulled into this other world they get attacked by monsters and wackiness ensues you're underselling this so there are like it is like iraq or something and there is like a platoon of army rangers and they are in the desert and they're in the shit and they're singing a fucking song for like 10 minutes and I'm like, a lot of singing. I forgot about I'm that. I'm like, sure warned you. Wow. Why are they singing? I think it's like an army chant, but it just goes on. And then there's a giant fucking cloud. There's a cloud that materializes out of nowhere and it sucks them in. And they are now been transported into a world of like dragons and dinosaurs and cavemen. And the first thing I think is. Well, how the fuck can they breathe the same atmosphere as like dinosaurs and dragons? Like, I just felt like that was the first problem I had with it. But like, and I'm just going to spoil shit because this was terrible. Um, within the first like 20 minutes, her entire platoon is slaughtered. Like they are murdered. They are dead. That is the end of everybody. But Mila, whatever her name is, I don't know what her last name is. Something bitch. And look, I get suspension of disbelief. I get it. Like there is a, you know, it, it, it makes sense. Like you, you got, you, got, you know, you, I would like a little mythology. I like, I like Jurassic park. I like shit like that. Like I get it. What I don't buy is that one person, I don't care if you're an army and this is like, I have all, all the respect in the world for our armed forces, but like, I'm sorry, basic training and boot camp did not train you to fight fucking platoons of dinosaurs and dragons that breathe fire. Like you just, just can't fucking beat them. Like, like the dragon scale is like pure armor. You need like a fucking, like the the ice King to come out of fucking from above the wall to like, take you out. Like this just doesn't make sense, John. Like I did not understand how you can kill a dragon with a fucking bone. Like I just don't get it i don't understand and it made me very very uncomfortable and then i thought back to that show i made you see a while back with like the weird zombie monsters uh yeah and and you were like oh it was so like over the top bad animation but that like one of the reasons why that show took me out was for the same reasons like these bad guys these big bads these zombies are so fucking over the top violent there's no way you can survive in that world it's like if me and you were trapped in the post zombie apocalypse even with slow fucking zombies we would probably die let alone a fucking dragon yeah i'm gonna be a zombie feast let's be real about this my cardio is not good i mean one of the things about the movie was that yeah there is a lot of suspension of disbelief and they did also try to ham like to to ham say it say it just say i'm gonna say they they gave you a ham-fisted like a plot and B plot going on at the same time and take you to a point where neither actually gets resolved by the end of the movie. 
So the entire movie, you know, she rises up and she becomes this badass monster hunter and her and her team have to go and shut down the portal, but she gets sucked back. And then by the end of the movie, they don't actually finish the movie and it's kind of a setup for another movie. Like oh, a sequel. Jesus. That I'm not. Oh, my God. So, well, yeah, well, there's a cliffhanger with no guarantee of a sequel. Is there going to be a sequel? Well, here's the problem. So there were there probably would have been a sequel because these kind of movies they they make them they make them they're almost disposable. But you know, obviously with Resident Evil kind of run out of road before the reboot, you know, they were trying to find a way to find a new franchise to make for Mila Jovovich, who still make prints a lot of money when she, her movies come out. Um, but they kind of in the very beginning of the movie, um, you know, a, a big thing that happens is even if it doesn't do great over here in the United States. In China, there is a huge market for these movies where m many movies will make their money back and more in the Chinese market, which is awesome for movies. Like, that's that's where the real money is. Um, they kind of made, like, a really racist joke in the very beginning of the movie, specifically uh, aimed at the Chinese, um, and that didn't go well. So the movie the movie was, like, banned. So they didn't get, they, they didn't get to make their their money in the chinese market oh so you're screwed like, if you can't make it in china right now especially <laughs> post covid like you're screwed well but then that was the thing then covid happened so then they couldn't even make any money in the u.s so but like, like i think whether i, I think, whether they they stripped it out so it, they're like oh no we're sorry we took that joke out but by that point they're like yeah fuck you guys you're done and they were, so there's not going to be a Monster Hunter sequel. Yeah, but if you, like the Chinese audience, I believe right now is bigger than any audience, even bigger than the yeah. U.S. So you you piss them off, that's the end. I mean, that's why they didn't do the Chinese in like the Red Dawn sequel. Remember that was supposed to do? The, yeah. And they ended up going with like some weird North Korea, I don't know, I don't know how they, I don't barely remember the new Red Dawn. But, I don't remember either. But, uh, you know, this movie was just... I don't know. Like I thought at first, wasn't I, was, good. I thought at first, like oh, I could do fantasy, maybe like Game of Thrones. But like the moment I realized, oh, they're gonna put like Marines or army into like uh, a world that it's not even like there's a dragon. It's like full blown. There is a dragon everywhere you move, and there is just like you know you have one friend. He's just got like one caveman friend, and she like teaches him how to speak chocolate. Like here, look, say chocolate, and he knows chocolate. I'm like this is so so fucking bad. This is almost as bad as in Clarice, where the one FBI agent turns to her and goes, "Put lotion in the basket," and then laughs at her. And I'm like, this is horrible. This is fucking horrible why am i watching this yeah it's, it's pretty dog shit i think a, a big problem i have with a lot of movies nowadays is that you know i get it there is that point where when you're making a movie you're almost making it with a sequel intended and i think that's cool and that's fine and that is the way that business is done nowadays however what i take affront to is that people just don't finish these movies because they expect there to be a sequel like finish the fucking story because mm -hmm. you know what like, yeah, cool. You know you're going to get a sequel out of it. We'll tease that shit after the credits like everybody else does. When the movie ends before the credits roll, there needs to be some kind of fucking resolution here. You can't have the first movie in a proposed franchise end on a cliffhanger. Like, imagine if they did that for Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Like, say what you will about Back to the Future, right? Perfect movie. I know. Anyway, um, the Back to the Future movie ends. And then once the movie ends, there's a cliffhanger. But you know what? If you don't see the next movie, you can be like, yeah, that, that movie definitively ended. All the storylines came together, and we've ended them, and now we're doing a sequel. And had had Back to the Future come out today, that the, the, the thing where they leave to go to the future, you know, when we're going, there are no roads, that would have been the stinger, you know? Yeah, and that would have been fine. But, like, you know, the, this whole thing of, like, well – we're going to because like I had that moment where I'm like, you know what? The beauty of, you know, watching things on demand and watching them at home is I have to take a piss. I'm going to hit pause. And I'm going to go and I hit pause. And I look down at how much time is left in this movie. And I was like, wait a second. I was like, uh, I guess they're just going to go with the one thing because they don't have time to do both. And then I cut back. I paused it. And by the time the movie ended, I was like, Oh, they went with not finishing up both things. Cool, 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 cool. Um, <laughs> and you're just kind of like left out there like, so I guess we have to see a sequel. And then I found out there ain't going to be no sequel. And I'm like, oh, I didn't really want to watch that anyway. I, I, big thumbs down for, uh, for Monster Hunter. 
do yourself a favor. Go watch anything else except for this. Literally anything else you'll enjoy more. You know what you should do? Go back and rewatch the Resident Evil movies because those were fun and those shits had endings. I don't think I could do it, but if you say it's good, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust you. I I don't think I could watch uh, any of the Resident Evil movies. I think there was also Silent Hill movies too, weren't there? Faintly yeah, there was like that. there was like eight Resident Evil movies, and I want to say two or three Silent Hill movies. What do you think of the casting of Pedro Pascal? In Last of Us, the TV show. Um, Did you know that? I like it. Okay. I like it. I think that it's hard to so it's hard to say because everyone's very high on him as the Mandalorian, and I think he's a great actor. And I think that there is a certain degree of projection that went into the casting because they're like, well, he's he's obviously he's a great fatherly figure. But it's like, yo, dude, you haven't heard him say a single line. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, I'm excited for it. I, I will watch him and whatever he does. My my problem is, is that I've always pictured the main guy in Last of Us being played by someone who looks more like, do you remember the werewolf guy from True Blood? Oh, yeah. Like, that's who I always pictured as as him like i always pictured like a bigger burlier bearded like lumberjack looking dude like yeah. a little more jacked but not like not necessarily like a wrestler jack just like a big burly lumberjack dude a so, working man jacked, yeah and not... i just yeah i just got a little thrown off when it was pedro pascal i think he'll do fine uh and it doesn't really matter at the end of the day it's just gotta be a dude helping a girl a little girl like that's all i need um but and they got the, they got the the young girl from game of thrones right Yep. Yep. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see how it goes. We'll, we'll see. I, you know, walking dead has kind of just turned a sour note on everybody with, with zombies. It kind of like did it to death. Uh-huh. Get it. And then they resurrected it. No, yeah, just, you did. don't, don't. Yeah, you did. yeah I did. It's I did. Okay. I did. Play through, baby. I did. Play I did. Through. Uh, but look, last of us, uh, we know uh, we've talked about in the past. It's a series that, you know, it, it, it's one of the most powerful moving video games you will ever play. It really, you know, gets you in a way that movies can and TV can't. So if they could bring a little bit of that, if they work closely with the writers of the of the video game, I think there's a chance it could be good. And it will be scary because those monsters are, there's a situation where it's like, dude, those clickers, oh, uh, we'll see how they do that. Uh, on a completely different note, um, watching, you know, yesterday, I needed to clean my, cleanse my palate after Monster Hunter. And I was looking for anything, and then we've watched a lot of content lately, but, you know, I was trying to find something that was not quite, like, I didn't want an action movie. So I, I go, always go to Netflix is the first place I go to, and I go to their top ten list. And this is the greatest thing they've ever done, It's add a top ten list to their home Oh, page. I agree. And you can just see what the top movies and TV shows are. And uh, one of the top things was I Care A Lot. And... I watched the trailer and the trailer was like about this lady that like, it was kind of like fun, upbeat, like, like this woman, like this power broker woman who's like, she's kind of like her scam is that she like, you know, finds rich old people that don't have much family and basically finds a way to convince them to let her be their, their ward almost like let her take over their estate. And then she basically throws them into a nursing home and like milks them dry and just keeps going. And it's her thing. And then she like, and I, the way the trailer was, was I thought a little more upbeat and fun and it probably looked like it was going to be bad, but I wanted that after monster hunter. I just wanted something that was like a good waste of oh, time. Yeah. And I start to, sh- and Peter Dinklage was in it. So I'm like, I'll watch anything Peter Dinklage is in. Uh, he's one of the best actors. I've loved him since stage station agent. I love the fact that he's done what he needs to do with game of Thrones. Now he can literally do anything. Do you remember when we saw him at the doggy dog concert? Yeah, we that, certainly did. That still blows my mind. I don't think we ever talked about it on the show, but we went and saw Doggy Dog uh, with a friend of the show, uh, Doggy Dave, and uh, we we were at the show, and like we turned a corner, and there was literally like it was like fucking, and he was in the middle of like getting ready for reshoot, so he still had the hair and the beard, and it was like fucking Tyrion fucking Lannister was just standing there watching Doggy Dog in the middle of the crowd, giving no fucks, and that was the greatest thing ever. Like it was. <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? No one gave a fuck that he was there either. Like, no. and it was great because he actually got to be at something. Normal. Yeah, and he's the type of person that I probably wouldn't fuck with anyway. Like, I just wouldn't, like, I don't know. He just has that aura, kind of like I would never go up to CM Punk. Like, there's certain wrestlers you would never go up to in real life. I don't know if I'd ever go up to Peter Dinklage, regardless. So, 
Yes, the general plot I just said is is the plot of this movie. It is a story about a woman uh, played by uh, Ro- uh, Rosamund Pike. Rosamund Pike. Uh, I've, I've never. She is from. Uh, she was also in Gone Girl and Die Another Day and Pride and Prejudice. I I believe she's kind of been typecast a little bit, and this is a break from that typecasting. She plays this ruthless woman who only wants to get rich, and she does have this scheme, which is to convince uh, the court uh, using corrupt doctors that these uh, pre-identified old people, rich old people, are not fit to live on their own, and she basically gets courts to rule that she can become the ward of this person. And basically, she throws them into a nursing home, sells off everything, and you know, she's got the power of the court behind her. It's really fucked up. Like, it's just a horrible thing to think of, but I'm sure there's people who run that scam out there. It's out, you know, nothing about this sounds like it couldn't happen. You hear Dude, about ideas this, come from somewhere, you know? Yeah. You hear about this a lot with homes where people like, you know, will squat in a place and then claim it's theirs and whoever owns the place is fucked. So, uh, in this case, she does this and, and she's a legit business person. I mean, everything's gray area, everything around her is kind of corrupt, but this is kind of her thing and she milks it. And she's got like a whole board on the wall where she has all her old people, her clients, quote unquote, and where they're at. And, you know, she just works the system and she does it to one person. She gets tipped off about this one lady who's really rich, former businesswoman, and and she has no known family. And basically she gets a corrupt doctor to say she's got dementia. The judge buys it because the doctor says she is. She gets custody, throws her nursing home, sells everything and finds a bag of diamonds in her, uh, in her, in her safety deposit box, like a full bag of fucking diamonds. And she's like, fuck it. I now like hit the jackpot. I'm going to milk this. And then she finds out that the, uh, that this person is, uh, the, the mother, even though it's not said cause this person is uh, faked his death. She is the mother of like the top Russian mob boss. Oh shit. Played by Peter Dinklage. And Peter Dinklage is not a good person either. Not a good person at all. He is a mob boss and he yes, he faked his death, so that's why it was assumed that she had no family. But no, this guy like arranges for her to come visit him once every other week and when she does not come and his driver does not bring her, he f- he flips out and he basically, you know, hunts down what happened. His, his person's like his concierge or whatever, consigliere or whatever, is like, yeah, your mom has basically like been like made a ward of the state. And, you know, she has this person who now is her guardian and everything's been sold from out from underneath her. Peter Dinklage goes to the bank. Safety deposit box is gone. Diamonds are gone. Mom is gone. He finds, you know, he finds this lady, uh, Rosamund Pike, and he threatens to everything like kill her destroy her and she's like fuck you i'm making my millions you pay me off and he's like fuck you i'm gonna kill everyone around you and that's when like the show does not go happy or no one there is no moment of like oh this is the good guy no then it just gets dark because he begins to kill everybody around her and then like she then takes revenge on him and it just keeps going darker and darker and darker and i'm like there is no levity. This is a George TV show movie that Netflix sold as something completely different. And uh, I'm not going to give it away, but at the ending, there's comeuppance and there is no good guy. And it is, uh, you know, a, not a feel good ending. And uh, I highly recommend it. Here's the thing. Uh, I feel Netflix has done this before where they do trailers for stuff they own. This is a Netflix owned show. Uh, in the past, most recently by Don't Fuck With Cats, they released a trailer that was like, fun internet movie about cats. And it's not. It's about this guy who murders cats on YouTube. And you remember, you you saw it. Yeah, and they also do that thing where even on like Instagram or on like Twitter or social media, any kind of ad for this, the colors that they use, the vibe and yep. the fonts and the feels that they use, you think this is going to be like a funny revenge movie um, between Rosamund Pike and Peter Dinklage. And you're just like, all right, I'm down for this. It's probably like a wacky, like, you know, dark comedy. But apparently they forgot the comedy. Nope, there is no comedy in this. There is maybe one thing that made me crack up a little bit. I think it was just kind of like a, fu- I don't know, if it was, I, I don't know where they were going through but there's a scene where uh peter dinklage's stooges or you know his bodyguards whatever go to just 
fucking break out his mom out of the nursing home. So they go in under the premise that they are uh, looking at the place for their dad or something. And halfway through, they basically just beat up the uh, the the manager and just ki- try to kidnap kidnap. I mean, rescue. You see, that's why it gets weird because like Dolan's a good guy, and they try to rescue the mom. And uh, the security guard just like starts shooting at them in the nursing home, and they just start shooting back. And I'm like, who the fuck starts shooting at a nursing home? I thought that was kind of funny. And there was a scene where they like they hit a, uh, a an oxygen tank, and it shoots pretty much it smashes the one guy in the face, and it knocks him out. There is that's like funny. that is the moment of levity. That's a tiny Looney Tunes moment of levity. The rest of this is largely like two fucking horrible human beings uh, trying to destroy each other, and there is no per- good person in this. And you just, at the end of the day, like you're just feeling terrible for the people that have been hoodwinked by this, by this lady. And, and Peter Dinklage is clearly not a good guy. He is a, a mob boss. Uh, he does seem to be a little bit impressed by her level of, of, of conniving and, and this, you know, trickery, but you know, at the end of the day, he wants his mom. So he'll do what he has to do to get her back. And, it's just, I, I went to Rotten Tomatoes to see what the reviews were. I really enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. Uh, their, the ending I thought was powerful, but not positive. Um, but I went to Rotten Tomatoes, and it's got an 80 certified uh, reviewers, so the critics love it. But it has like a 30 fan review. I read the reviews. And yeah, it's just a lot of people who were like, oh, I went in and wanted to see a fun show, and it just doesn't get better. But it's not, I don't think they mean like it doesn't get better as the quality of the movie. It just means it doesn't like... There is no moment of uplift. It just gets more and more depressing and down. And it's, you know, the acting is great. The story is great. It is feel bad. 100% across the board. It is the number one movie on Netflix right now. And again, if knowing what I've told you right now, I think, you, you know, everybody out there should consider watching it. If you like this type of movie, just know, yeah, there ain't a good guy in here. And sometimes in life there aren't good guys. And more often than not, crime is done by bad guys against bad guys. So... It, it, it is what it is, but Netflix definitely sold some people a bill of goods. Yeah, and I think that's the real problem here. I think that's the the, uh, the old bait and switch of Netflix. But, you know, I mean, I might check it out. Yeah. It's definitely not the movie I thought it was, clearly. No, and, and the acting is superb across the board. Uh, it's just, you know, it's tough to feel bad. Cause, you know, you always think about, like, what if someone did this to your mom? Like what if someone, yeah, you know, and, and there's no way you can get away with, you can get out of it. Like if you see, and again, that's the writing of this movie. They do such a good job uh, making it bulletproof. Like the judge is clearly, there's no dumb people in this movie, which is why I like, which is why I don't like about Clarice. They're like the judge in this. You're like, well, is he an idiot? Why is he letting her do this? No, she just talks rings around him. You see this woman who's clearly trying to care for old people that can't care for themselves. And she has doctors backing her up. Uh, you know, there is a scene at the beginning in a courtroom where one son, who might be an estranged son, but basically is is fighting in the court. He basically broke into a nursing home to try to rescue his mom, and the security took him out, and everybody took him out. He's just freaking out. He's flipping out in court. He's like, you know, this lady is is horrible, and he's just a normal person. He's not a mob boss. And the judge is like, you have no evidence of what she's doing is wrong. Like, you know, you have doctors supporting this. It's just like some of the, like, it's so engulfed in reality, uh, especially with how fucked up some of the court systems are that you just, you're like, there's no way out. Like this is such a good scam, but it's so horrible. And, uh, you know, the fact that the mob boss is, is Peter Dinklage is great. I, I'm glad he doesn't do a Russian accent. He's a Russian American. So, you know, that, that's pretty funny. And the mom is incredible too in this. It's played by the mom who was in parenthood. Remember parenthood? Oh yeah, totally. With Steve Martin, it's the mom yep. in there. She's that actress who always looks like she's crying, but she's not. She just has that face. But I love her in everything she's in, and I'm glad to see she's still acting. Uh, I I recommend this, and I'm sorry if I've ranted too long about a show that uh, that is so weird. But you know, sometimes you're surprised, especially with Netflix. Like, you know, a lot of their movies aren't good, <laughs> so it's always a little bit. You never know what you're going to get sometimes, and, and this was this one surprised me. So, well, I, at least for you, it was a good surprise. I care a lot. If anybody thinks that this is a Faith No More documentary, it is not. I just want to forewarn you on that. That's what I thought it was when I first saw the uh, the name, but it's not a, not a Faith No More documentary. Same here. 
uh, uh, congratulations. Uh, you funded and you destroyed Thank your funding. You. Uh, yeah. I just got the notification that my uh, my account has been charged. So you are officially a, a game developer. I am so proud of you. Thank you, man. And I just wanted it. to let that know. Obviously, thanks to everybody who supported George. Yeah, thank and you so much, John. everybody. And I can't wait to see you like put this on. You know, I want to see this. I can't wait to see it in action. Literally, I'm driving it over to your house once we get it from the printer. Believe that. Uh, I look. I'm I'm psyched. I'm psyched to uh, you know. Anytime we do something creative, it's it's meaningful. So this is uh, this is obviously a big deal. And you know, I know a lot of our fans uh, supported you on this. So you know, everyone, we appreciate everything. We really do. Thank you, everybody. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, with that, I will uh, let you go a little bit earlier, just in case you might have to go to the bathroom or something. How can the uh, kids reach you here, bud? You can find me on the Twitter at John McGuire RPG. I tweet about board games. I tweet about cute animals. I tweet about Dungeons and Dragons. You could follow my day-to-day adventures in podcasting and in life over on Instagram at John Hambone McGuire, which is going to be a lot less posting about Rocket to Russia because we funded and thank you, everybody so much you help make a little dream come true and i really do appreciate you george where can the people find you uh people can find me at glk creative on instagram and twitter uh i have my own like virtual tv thing now i do uh i do george talks tech that's so strange and verizon actually okayed this uh i apologize for that creepy photo of me as the man in the moon last week that was not my choice but you know children were scared it was awesome uh, you can find uh, all our archive at MyTaiTV.com. Our Instagram is MyTaiHappyHour. Definitely check that out. I've been working to keep that beast fed with all great tiki mugs and hopefully some tiki bars soon. Uh, you can also uh, rate, review, and subscribe. Show us some love. We appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, let us know what you want us to cover. Let us know. It seems like people really like what we talk about as far as our, you know, this weird geeky sci-fi horror thing works quite nicely we're gonna have some music soon i think yes. no effects drops an album this week so we're gonna check that out next week we have a lot of fun in store for you john take us out everybody remember be nice wear a mask socially distance yourself get vaccinated when you can aloha